Uh, thank you for being here. Last week, uh, for our Easter service, we always cancel our gathering. We go downtown, and we have a, a little worship service, communion service with the homeless community that we work with throughout the year. Uh, it's a really special time for me, um, for, for many of you who've been around for a long time, because that was the exact spot where this church began, um, just simple serving in that parking line. So it's, it's kind of special, and I hope it's special for others as well. But I'm just wondering, um, for those of you who were able to make it and go down there, how many of you would say, and you can raise your hand if you're comfortable in your own skin and that or whatever, how many of you would say that you still have moments of being uncomfortable throughout that time? Isn't it, is it interesting? I do too. I, I, I struggle. I, it's like half the time I feel like, man, I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm so good interacting with people that I don't know who are in different experiences than I am. And the other half the time I'm like, I don't know what to say. Um, how many of you um, had, let me, let me go this, say out loud either a word or one sentence, I'm trying to say this clearly, um, of stuff you felt or you encountered, whether a good, bad, learning, whatever, something that would describe your experience last weekend. Okay, so great scripture, um, Matthew 25, about serving Christ himself. What else? Fellowship. I, I love it because we get to, I mean, there we get to hang out with one another as much as, as anything. And so it's good to see that conversation going on. What else? Heaven. That's what heaven's going to be like. Except for we'll be the homeless there. And they'll, no, I'm just kidding. There'll be something about that, isn't it? We were talking about, uh, Christy and I were talking right before church kind of about kingdom and heaven. And how it's so hard to grasp what that what will really be like. You know, but we get pieces of it. Right, but what will that really fully be like? What else? Stories. Does anybody have a story from last weekend? Think about it. You can share it. Yeah, go ahead. Right. <laughs> There's something, huh? What else? Yeah. Yeah. One of, one of the coolest moments in learning how, I, I mean, this journey for us has been about learning how, to, learning how to serve, learning how to do something you might not normally do. And um, had an opportunity, actually, uh, a denomination had sent a film crew to, enter, to do a film with Jen. And they were interviewing Alan Graham, who's the president of Mobile Loaves and Fishes, a homeless ministry in this town. And he was asking Alan, and he just, he goes, um, or uh, he was asking Alan, he said, you know, I've always, when I think about the homeless community, many times I slip into this thing where I'm just thinking about that there are a group of people that I could uh, categorize them like this, or I feel this way, or I think this way, or whatever about them. And he said, well, what would you say to that? And he, he said, this is how I think feel and he said what would you say to that now and looks at him and says i would say it doesn't really matter what you think or what you feel what matters is what jesus thinks and what he feels and these are your brothers and they are your sisters in christ that was pretty good i no john you may not yeah 
Right. Huh. Fear, perspective, reality. And I don't think that's negative. I think that's true. I, I sit there and I think, wow, we've still got a long ways to go. Who do we think we are? That's what I feel at times. I go, look at us. Aren't we special? A couple times a year. And this isn't enough. And, and hopefully that would kind of capture, and we understand the place of that event. We understand, hopefully those of you have been around at ANC, our goal is not that event or, or something like that. But our goal is to learn to be exposed to them and then we could figure out how to engage things better. How to really do things through relationship. Whether, whatever, whatever the issue is or whatever the thing is or the people or the person is. Whether it's your neighbor or someone across the street uh, or across the tracks. Whatever it is that we would learn how to have a different perspective of ourselves and Christ and others. And this big thing as we are becoming all that God wants us to be. One of the things I realize is that I'm, what, what I get to do or if I ever get to do things like that out there, it makes me better here. It's an interesting thing for me. I'm always better when I have one leg outside of the church. Uh, some of you guys know for the last several months I've been working with Mobile Loaves and Fishes. It's a nonprofit here that I mentioned um, just a minute ago. Alan Graham's a president as a director of human care for this thing called Community First Village. And what that is is it's a 30-acre plot of land. It's really, it's just out of the, it's just a really cool thing they're doing where they are doing a master plan community for the disabled and chronically homeless of Austin. So I'm working, developing networks of professionals who use, whether it's they're a doctor, or a counselor, or a dentist, or an eye doctor, or, or whatever, uh, can teach a trade or whatever to uh, serve alongside of that community. And I just, I just, you just realize how much you don't know. You realize how much um, you don't even know about yourself. But I've realized how much that out there should be connected to what we think we do in here. Isaiah has a lot to say about that. We've taught on that before. But do you see it? Do you see the connection between whatever it is, not just Sunday, but hopefully beyond, do you, we, do you see the connection between that and the Matthew 25 stuff and what happens in here? See, because here's, here's an issue. Historically in the church, many, if not most, don't. In fact, there's been a, a division and even an argument in the church between even faith-based parachurch ministries and nonprofit organizations and things like that out there who are trying to serve and do things for people on the margins and the church itself. Because for years, these people out here are claiming that they're, 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 that they're the church too and that they're living for the kingdom and trying to do these things. And then over here you have the church going, well, you're not doing it through us so you don't count. It's just really this strange dynamic, and there's this tension, I think, that has happened historically, okay, that the church is still trying to reconcile today to figure out what that looks like together. And um, so historically, there's kind of two camps, and, and I'm going to use a word, there's similar words, but that have been to describe this. The first is a sodality. The word sodality, if you grew up Catholic, maybe you've heard that before. But sodality are usually uh, a word that's saved to um, describe an organization of mission or an association that has a very distinct cause or purpose that is, that, um, that is out there. So, sodality refers to a sentness or a movement or a mission, the specialized task, usually mission orgs, societies, or things like that, that would consider themselves the universal church, the overall church, the bigger overall arching church. And then you have the opposite. So the sodality is over here that we're talking about, 
right? This serving out outside the doors. And then you have this thing called a modality, which is the structural organizing piece of the church. And we would call that maybe the local, the local church. What would you say is an example of a, of a modalic element of Austin New Church? Did I not describe that well? Huh? Today, our gathering, our worship service, right? What else might be that? Okay, would that be modalic or sodalic? So actually serve Austin Sunday or Restore Weekend would actually be more sodalic because it's, it's sending, it's mission-oriented versus the gathering. So you're beginning to gather the difference. Sending is sodalic. Modalic is more of a... <laughs> a holy huddle. It can be. Potentially, yeah, part of them are. They're kind of dual purpose as well. Okay? So essentially you have things that are gathering and things that are sending. We talk about that all the time, right? Gathered and scattered. The Bible talks about a gathered and scattered. Maybe a worship service is more modalic. A restore weekend is more sodalic. The great commandment, which is it? Love God, love your neighbor. Which one would it be? It's both, right? What about the Great Commission? Go and make disciples. So there's an element of each, right? So the argument has been, like many of the parachurch organizations would say, and this creates more of a division that maybe the church doesn't do more of that um, or maybe they have to do that because the church has failed to do that. Sometimes there's that argument. Or, or maybe it's said, when we try to do that, we don't do the other well. So you do that well, we'll do this well. And there's this divide and confusion in the church of what we're really about. I would argue that that divide, that conversation somehow has, has resulted in the, the current culture, the consumeristic part of what we struggle with in the church today. That thing where almost we're 90, 80%, maybe most of what we do is kind of about us and our thing. Um, But I don't think it has to be that way, obviously. Um, I think that if we understood kind of biblically what was going on there and how we got there, what our responsibility is, so we think about what we try and do for Easter and what we try and do, restore weekends, what we try and do, love your neighbor, serve your city through our restore groups and things like that. If we were to have a greater understanding of that, I think we could be much more effective. Ralph Winter uh, argued, and he's just a, a huge, Alan Graham attributed him for shifting the way uh, um, world missions is viewed when the, from evangelicals. And he argued that modes of modality and sodality are both necessary and will be most effective, not just both necessary, I think we all are, agree with that, but would be most effective when they support one another and when they work together. I think one validates the other. In many, in many ways, in many forms. But why is that? Why do you think they would work well together? Why is it that they are necessary, not just, I'll oh, just forget that one, we'll just do this one well. Why is it that they're necessary? Why would it be that? Okay. Okay. So together they represent the body of Christ is what you said. So what you're saying is separate, we're incomplete. So is that because of the system itself? 
or is it because of the culture or the context itself, or is it because of the body itself? Um, yeah, there's a lot of history of why and how we got to where we are. There was some really bad theology historically that kind of led people towards going, well, some bad, all bad. Don't we do that? Some bad, all bad. Some good, all good. Not true. You know? And so historically, there's some, there's some, definitely there's some baggage in the church when it relates to this stuff. I would argue this, because I'm trying to, trying to go somewhere with this. I would argue that the reason why the body works like that, where we are better together as a church at all is because you and I are made that way too. It's not just because it works in our, in, in 2014 or because in our context or our culture or whatever. I think it's because we are sodalic and modalic that we are created in such a way designed us in such a way that the forms that work for his body are in line with who we are. So if you, I don't understand what's going on there. The result is going to be the church at large not understanding what's going on there. Or, or maybe taking a twist on it that wasn't the full intention. I also think that it may be rooted when it comes to the role of the church in our lives and what the church is um, somehow confuses us in our identity as Christians. Our identity, really figuring out who we are in Christ, who we become in Christ, not just who we are in the world, but who we are in Christ is impacted by this. By us understanding who we are, who we're created to be, as it relates to the church, as it relates to this kingdom, this way of living, this new way of living that Christ said, hey, there's a new way. And it's supposed to be filled with hope and joy and peace and gentleness as well as justice. Today and next week, we're going to talk a little bit about this in the area of gifting and calling in our own lives, and then how it relates to the church, so that how uh, then it forms how we gather and how we create structure around what we do as we both gather and as we both scatter. Because I think understanding that helps us understand not only ourselves, but then how we feel about and how we deal with one another, Okay? Specifically, it's related to spiritual gifting. You guys have heard spiritual gifts, right? I grew up, took a little test when I was in high school at Baptist Church, and it told me I was gifted in this thing. And I'm like, really? I don't know idea what that is. Um, and there's diff- different lists throughout the scripture of specific giftings. There's, in Ephesians 4, there's leadership gifts of the church that are used to equip the body to serve. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, there's the list of what they call the seven uh, gifts Um, But before we get into all that, I want to talk big level spiritual giftings so that we don't just take them and go, this is about me, this gift. Oh, that's it. Now I'm going to do this. Let's understand the bigger picture of what they're there for and why they exist so we can understand sometimes why we don't like each other and how sometimes why we do and things work well and others don't. We get frustrated and all this and why we get frustrated with God and ourselves and our church and everything. Let's, Let's go high level for just a moment. Before we go there, John chapter 20, this is after the resurrection, Uh, Jesus appeared to his disciples, in verse 19 he says, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And listen here at this point. As the Father has sent me, I have sent you. I am sending you. And I love it. He always says, whenever he says, peace be with you, it's not just a greeting. It's like, stay cool. I'm about to tell you something. As the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. Modalic or sodalic? Sending or gathering? That's a sending, right? So Jesus was sending. He was sodalic, right? Yes. Only? Was he? No. What are examples of Jesus' teaching of a modalic message? Huh? Almost everything, right? All about caring in-house, all about taking care of each other, all about loving one another. And then that sending and that expression then almost is like an overflow of what's happening there, right? And then it feeds itself and it makes itself better. A couple points or a, thought, uh, a few thoughts on this and we'll continue to go. I'm a little schizophrenic today, but so am I. That was for free. I didn't even plan to do that. First thing, each of us have a sodalic, each of us have both sodalic and modalic hopes, meaning we have hopes that we have hopes for others in that, like that we would hope you would have this experience worship. We would hope that as we serve out there that that person would understand why we're hoping for that and needs. Like in serving, there's a hope and a need that we are trying to fill when we do that. And when we gather, there is a need, there is a spiritual thing going on there. So each of us have both of them. But we each also probably have a leaning. One way or the other. Very few of us are like right in the middle. Okay? We each have a leaning. And most likely they are gifted. They are, they are linked to your gifting. Your spiritual gifting. Which we'll talk about. Maybe not even today. Your spiritual gifting and your calling as your role in the kingdom. It is most likely going to be informed or connected to that. It's not just accidental that you feel a certain way about serving the homeless or taking up the orphan crisis. Or you, you feel a certain way about the gathering and coming together in prayer and just being together in this sense of community. There's a reason for that because it has something to do with what God has uniquely shaped you to be as a contributor to the kingdom. It's not because you're uh, not as good as the other person, or right? Or you're, you're not better than the other person either. Each of us are uniquely made, have unique experiences that we've gone through, that in some divine way we'll understand how we've been shaped through those things. And we're uniquely gifted to be active participants and contributors to the kingdom. Those gifts, I've already said it. Those specific gifts, I don't want to talk about them yet. I just want to talk about the theme of those. those. So a little perspective on that. So that's the first thing. We each have a bent. We each have a piece of both, but we each have a bent. Romans chapter 1. Paul is, this is, he has never been to Rome. There's a strong church in Rome. It's one of the only churches he didn't start. So he's heard about it, and he wants to get there really bad, right? And he writes this letter to them and says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. 
God, whom I serve in my spirit, and preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. So he, this, he has this affection and this drawing for them. Then he explains why he wants to go there. It says, verse 11, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Okay. A couple of things out of these last, the verse 11 and verse 12 that I want to point out related to this whole thing of spiritual gifting and our leaning and where we are. And how many of you already right now, you're like, oh, I know which way I lean. Anybody? All right, I got a lot of teaching to do. So first of all, well, let me write, let me give you the point and I'll come back and teach it. This might be backwards. The second, second point there are that gifts are specific, but here Paul gives the most important theme. First of all, that they are not attained by and of ourselves, thus are not for us alone, and thus we can never be complete by ourselves. None of us are complete in isolation. Translated, there's something bigger going on here than just us. All right? This is what Paul's writing. He says, I long... To see that I might impart to you some spiritual gift. That God has given him this calling to impart this gift. It's through the Holy Spirit. We know that in all his other scriptures, right? And he says, and here's the gift. The, The reason we give that gift is to make you strong. And the description of strength here is that when we come to the place of a relationship because of our faith. That I am an encouragement to you always. And you are an encouragement to me. That we are building one another up. Okay, so gifts are specific. They are specific, whether it's, you know, well, we don't want to get, they are specific, but the first thing is no matter what it is, guys, it's for the kingdom, it's for one another, and it's for out there. All right? Number three, even our leadership gifts and callings in the church, there are specific things that Paul uh, outlined in Ephesians 4 that were leadership gifts in the church that said certain people I'm going to give these gifts to and the purpose of this is to equip everyone to do ministry. Not to use them to do all the ministry, but to equip people to go and do this ministry. All right, even our leadership gifts are sodalic and modalic. Do you know that? They're not all, not all pastors are shaped and formed just to shepherd you. All right, the gifts that he outlines are apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, pastor, teacher. Half of those are sending gifts, like apostle. The uh, Latin equivalent of apostle is the word missio, which is the source of the English word missionary. An apostle, a missionary, one who, who goes and starts and begins. And then a prophet, one who might be speaking truth or to be up. And then you have, so for, for me personally, of all the tests I've done and evaluations I've done and sat in leadership meetings and all that, I have two, two, two main giftings, my top two giftings. The first is an apostolic, as a mission. I'm just drawn to mission. Does that surprise anybody? That, honestly, like, that's what I desire to do. Second is, is teaching. Now, teaching is a modalic gift. But our primary gift, our secondary gift is almost always um, utilized through the lens of our primary gift. So for me, I go, wow, that makes sense to me because I love to teach. I love to come into church and I love to teach. I love to teach God's word. But I almost always teach it through the lens of mission. Because I am a sodalic leader. That's where I land. That's where I am. On shepherding and pastoring, 
Like if this was apostolic teaching, shepherd and pastoring would, for me was like down here. So encouragement, all that kind of stuff, I'm just not good at that. I want to be. I want to be. I'm just not. I, don't, I, I want to be. Now, John Church, shepherding, pastoring, stuff like that. Believe it or not, Trey Pruitt, shepherding, pastoring. It's all for show. It's a big facade. You sit down with the dude. He'll cry with you. Eh, whatever. So the fourth point is our primary gift often informs our secondary gift. So as you think about who you are, what you're drawn to, you know, there, uh, the scriptures outline gifts such as serving. Maybe that's your serving as your primary gift. But also a secondary gift for you might be hospitality or maybe faith or whatever. Those things may link together. Go home, read 1 Corinthians 12, read Ephesians 3 and Ephesians 4. Okay? But our primary gift often informs our secondary gift. Number five, a thought on this is here. We need to set realistic expectations for one another when it comes to gifting. Here's where I think a lot of division comes in the church. Because we think we get something. Why don't they get it? Well, because you are gifted towards mission. And maybe they are gifted towards whatever the other people do. No, I'm just kidding. Towards that community and, and shepherding and pastoring one another and everything. And it's hard to understand it, honestly. People are bent towards it. I think there's a lot of tension in us as churches. We go from church to church to church to church because we're not finding what we want in certain churches. Instead of going, wow, this person is, let's set this expectation as a leader or as a small group leader or just even as a friend. What do we want and hope and dream from one another? What do I want and why do I want it based on my giftings and my callings. And when we do that, when we set realistic expectations and we offer grace for those who don't get what you get, and then we offer counsel, offer counsel to one another, we begin to lead towards unity instead of division. All right? Those of you who are really mission-minded people, how do you really feel about people who don't like mission and would just rather just sit there and pray all day? Let's be honest for a second. How do you sometimes feel? I, I slip into it. I don't mean to. Yeah. That's awesome. But see, that's a, that's a perspective of, that's a perspective beginning to get what we're talking, or, or getting what we're talking about. How about even the flip side? Have you ever felt that way? Are you, if you are a person who would just, I'd come to church every day if I could, and you hear this message of people going, you got to get out there, you got to get out there, you got to get out there. Do you ever feel judged by that? Yeah. A lot. Yeah. So, so, is that about us? Is it about the kingdom? I don't have to teach the perspective. You get what I'm saying? I think there's a little bit of us being, stop being so insecure because they're, and then stop judging because they're, and then let's come together. Let's, let's, um, dang it, I got three more sermons here. I'm just going to do one half of one. Here's what I'm going to do. Considering gifts, let's do this. Three perspectives on it, and then I'll read a scripture, and then we'll have communion together. I really want you to go home, research, go to Google, spiritual gifts, all that stuff. I want you to do that. Three thoughts. First thing I think we need to just do with our calling or our bent or our desire. First one is just steward your gift. 
for a moment, or your bin, or whatever, for a moment, think about what yours is, steward yours. Stop worrying about whether someone else has it, and steward yours. Use it and develop it. You have a spiritual responsibility to steward that thing. And I do believe, one of the things I skipped, I do believe it's spiritually given, okay, But I also believe that in God's divine movement in our lives, you have been through certain experiences that has shaped you, and somehow that is a gift to you. So how do you utilize that? How do you develop that to serve others, your family? Steward your gift. The danger in our gifting and our abilities, and there is a fine line between gifting and just ability or or whatever, is for us to take what we do well and use it just for our own A lot of us do what we do professionally because we do that well because it's, there's a little piece of it, there's a gifting there. Maybe you have a gift of exhortation and you're a great salesman. Maybe there's some, you know what I'm saying? So be sure to use it for the kingdom and develop it outside of just yourself for something bigger. Steward your gift. Second one is work on your weaknesses. Be cautiously aware, okay, we have primary, but it's not a call to neglect the other biblical things. Um, I know people who feel they have the gift of truth-telling. They would call it prophecy. I have the gift of truth-telling. Well, I know this hurts your feelings, but i got to tell you that this is what I think God is saying to me. And most of the time when someone does that, I want to punch them in the throat. Because <laughs> most of the time they're wrong. No. Having a gift, if you do have a prophetic word, that doesn't give you an excuse to be a jerk. You still have to work on mercy. You still have to work on gentleness. You still have to work on unity and love and grace and all those things, right? If you're not gifted in mercy, it doesn't equal abuse. You have to work on the things you're not good at. You don't get to just go, well, that's not me, so wee, wheels off on that area. <laughs> and the third one is seek humility. Recognize your ability, your gift, as a gift. Not arrogantly, it's not of ourselves. Understand your role and appreciate others. Close with this scripture and then we'll have communion together. There are different kinds of gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. But the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and everyone is the same God at work. The next few verses, it lists them. Verse 12, just as a body through one has many parts, but all of its parts from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. That's saying... You're a part of it. You're either helping or you're hurting, but you're a part of it. You're either a part of the solution or not. You're a part of it. Welcome to the team. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Verse 26, 
If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Let's pray.